You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, you're listening to episode number nine of Work For It. My name is Brian House, and I am in the studio, as always, with my main man, Mr. Trent Hill. Howdy, folks. And my beautiful wife. Hey there. Sarah. And uh, today we are taking a a little bit of a turn with the podcast. Uh, We have... uh, but normally we have guests on and and just recently this summer has been a little bit hectic in trying to coordinate guests so we're a little bit backlogged it's not that we don't have guests it's just coordinating with everybody um has been a little bit tough and it's it's not a big deal so by sitting in the studio and actually just all three of us hanging out and talking we uh we've been coming up with some themes and some things to talk about and today's theme is going to be adversity and change and what uh sort of uh, spawned this concept was uh, I, I have a friend uh, that i've met through youtube and his name is pete and he lives over in the uk and uh, he sent me this really great email and um i didn't really get permission to read it but um i'm not i'm not going to read the email but um he 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 kind of gave me some um he watched one of my videos and it was all about change and and it was very inspiring to hear his story. So I reached out to you all on Instagram and some of you have written in your stories about adversity and change. And uh, this last week, I've had some kind of some adversity uh, as far as, you know, what I've been up to as well. So I thought, how poignant is this? We can talk about it right here on Work For It because I believe adversity is the catalyst for change and not always in a bad way. So Trent, do you, uh, do you agree or what do you think? I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, adversity, no matter how uncomfortable it's, it's the prime driver for growth. Uh, I, I, I really don't think you'll become a better person unless you can face that adversity and dig in your heels and develop some grit. How old were you when you determined that? Was it like something you realized at an early age? Uh, yeah, was it later I, I'd say life? relatively early. Um, I haven't really talked about it a lot, but I've you know I've shared a little bit with you about growing up. Uh, we moved around a lot, and so I was always the new kid, and uh, a lot of uncomfortable situations, and pretty much figured out early on that uh, 
the only constant in my life was me, and I either needed to sack up or I was going to crumble. I was very sheltered as a child, so, like, my family was, you know, we lived out in the country, we lived on a hobby farm, and it was like... I didn't have a lot of friends, I didn't have a lot of people, but we stuck around the same area and I didn't move out of Illinois until I was like 26 years old. So um, I didn't learn this until later in life. You know, um, I had met a lot of adversity. I had had a lot of things happen to me that were negative, uh, but I didn't really associate growth with adversity until probably I was in my 30s, I would say. What, what was your what was your turning point? The turning point was losing my job. I worked for Fox television for about the first five years uh, of my professional working career out of college. And that's actually what my degree is in, is in like uh, film and production media. And then I have a minor in sculpture and we did a lot of metalworking and um, I, I studied fine arts and stuff. And as, as a back, uh, like sort of as on the back end of my, yeah. my degree. Nothing but, wrong uh, with that. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. no, I loved, I love the arts, but you know, I, it's, it was, it's not the best way to earn a living, but that's what everyone was telling me. And I, you know, I ended up in television because I was a communications major and then I studied film at NIU and uh, I fell in love with the film program and, and in love with television and production. So, you know, I, that just kind of worked for me. And, um, and then I ended up in technology for a completely different reason. It sort of funneled through that. But the, I lost that job. I was working for um, a Fox affiliate in Illinois. It was a pretty big one. And Clear Channel came in, bought us out, and, like, basically laid off most of the staff, you know, all in a few, like, rounds people got laid off and um that's what actually made me uh sort of reevaluate my life it was like the first time since i was like the age of 13 that i hadn't really worked you know i was always working um i had a worker's permit when i was really young and anytime i had a chance i would go and get seasonal work um and then after school i would work like at a at a retail place or whatever. And I had many of those jobs and uh, probably like a lot of middle American kids. And, uh, and then got my degree, got a full-time job, wasn't making a ton of money, but then, you know, I loved the work, you know, I absolutely loved working in television. It was a fantastic experience. The people I worked with are still some of my greatest friends. And, um, but then, uh, you know, to save like 10 grand a year, you know, we got downsized, you know, a bunch of people. Yeah. And then eventually that, that TV station sort of got merged with a whole bunch of other TV stations. And, um, but that's what pushed me to leave Illinois and kind of venture out and go to work in Florida. And, uh, I'm really glad I did, you know, I, I, it, nothing against Illinois. It's a great place, but, um, I really needed to get away and see life through a different set of eyes and a different latitude. And that's, I mean, it, it was like a super negative experience getting laid off and super scary, but it just skyrocketed and changed my entire trajectory. It's, um, it's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because uh, probably the only, uh, what is it? It's the, the three most traumatics, not the word, right. Uh, word, but the three most traumatic events in an adult's life is the death of someone close to them, a divorce, and a layoff or a firing. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. 
or the birth of a child. It's very traumatic. Yes, but only about 50% <laughs> of the population experiences that. That's true. Yeah, but, but like birthing children is there's also like a positive thing at the end of it so like, it was uh, more of a joke oh <laughs> like you have this new Whoosh. person that's here to ruin your life right yeah that's true <laughs> some adversity they just want to feed off of you yeah, for like yeah, 20 yeah. years yeah not like actually having the baby but just like having this new person that is fully your responsibility it's very it is intense. yeah that's a huge huge i have to keep this person alive it you're right Hope, it's hopefully that's a game it's changer. a hopefully it's a positive experience for both of you it, it has been. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's hard work. It's the w hardest work on the planet, raising ch children. Har I it's the hardest unpaid job in the world. 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, get, I feel like the payment is, you know, an, uh, an unprompted I love you. That's my fave. Or a hug when or you get hug. home from work. Yeah. I get something, those a little, every day. Just like a little snack of something you didn't ask for. Yeah. That's the payment. You're making me a little teary-eyed over here. It's All nice. right, it's a little early for that. It's nice. Yeah, <laughs> I it's yeah. it's no, I I genuinely find it heartwarming just because I didn't really grow up in that atmosphere. So I don't know if it's a lot of people didn't. I yeah, mean, I, I don't I don't know if it's nostalgia for something I missed out on or if it's just uh, realizing, like uh, when I've met my wife's family realizing that uh, not everybody's family is fucked up and that people can have genuine uh, heartfelt relationships, you know? You know what they say about us housewards? We put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had uh, a perfectly normal upbringing, normal family. I was in the same house from kindergarten to college. I had no adversity at all except my own unwillingness to do my homework. I had, I mean, I was thinking about this episode and thinking I've had no adversity in my life. I've had a really charmed life. But I mean, I could turn anything into adversity, like a look somebody gave me at a red light. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think what happens is people hold on to adversity and they turn it into their story, right? Right. And you have two ways to turn it into your story. You can turn it into your story like I did. And, you know, it sucked getting laid off or whatever. But it ultimately led to some of the best things that could have ever happened to me. But some people, and it's typically, you know, uh, a divorce, like mom and dad get divorced, uh, dad leaves, you know, things like that. And they never let go of them. You know, they, they use it as a means to like basically lay the groundwork for their entire lives. And uh, it's kind of sad, really, because playing the victim mm -hmm. is not uh, productive at all. It gets you absolutely nowhere. I, yeah, I, do, I don't understand the, the willingness to adopt the mantle of victimhood. Like, it, it, yes, I don't either. You may, I don't you may have been a victim of circumstances or whatever, but to... To now label yourself that and to think of yourself in that mentality, you, you can't be the hero of your own story. You're you're always looking for an external victor. Well, it's because you want to place the failure, your own uh, failure, yeah. on someone else's feet. I, so I see like, that now. Yeah. Okay. So that's how it works. It, you, you know, well, you know, I like I can I, I have 
people in my life at, at one time in my life, not so much anymore, but they, there was people in my life that were, that would use that, those phrases. Well, I, I could have done this, but you know, this, this, and this happened. It's like, eh, that's just all excuse. You know, you can't. And, and of course, this is something they've told themselves for 20 years. They've, they've, it's cyclical. They can't get out of that cycle. You know, I read a book called The Four Agreements by a guy named Don Miguel Ruiz, and it changed I've, my life. I've read that book. Yeah. It's a great book. And it it's a very short book. And, and, and if you adopt these four agreements, it is a life changing thing. It makes you the, the number one thing I tell people to get away from it or take away from it is, is, um, uh, never take anything personally. It, 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 even even if someone he references this, he says, even if somebody walks up to you with a pistol, puts it to your forehead and pulls the trigger, it had nothing to do with you. And, w and when he explains that, it really resonates with how we see ourselves because we are an egotistical species. We're you know like most people for for survival reasons. Yeah. Uh, but but we're emotionally complex. Right. So. We want to think that everything is a result of us, you know, even the bad stuff. And, uh, and it's just not the case. We're all the stars of our own movies. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm the star of housework and it's my movie. I created it and, and the podcast work for it. I'm the star and Trent's the star of his own show. And, you know, Sarah's got her own movie going and it's like, I'm just a, a co star in her movie and in your movie. But, you know, we, can't see past that and uh don writes this book in a way that actually decodes all of that and it helped me decode all of it so i That's, highly suggest you go out and find it well Bye. and and if that is something that somebody finds useful they might also i'm not going to push my particular brand or flavor but uh the stoicism uh speaks about that you know the 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 choice we make in life is how we react and you, you can take things personally or you can – it's not so much about detachment. It's more about realizing that, yeah, it's not about you. Uh, what is about you are the choices you make and how you're going to deal with the situation. Yeah, reactions, all of it. Yeah. You're Perspective. both so wise. Oh, this is this is uh, years I, I, and years and years. I was going uh, to say, I, th I, think, I, I think we have no. a lot of experience with uh, stumbling – and learning to pick ourselves up. Yeah. Fair enough. Fall down six times, get up seven. Yep. The I mean, my movie is just a comedy. I it just doesn't stop. <laughs> it's a dark comedy. It does. Yeah, it's a dark, sarcastic <laughs> comedy. Of, it's also a rom com. Yeah, a little, a bit. little bit of rom, mostly calm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bring the calm. You do. I don't know. I think I'm funnier than you, but we can move on. <laughs> See, uh, look at him laughing. I have at that. no, I have no, no, I can't argue that fact. Right. Although in the morning time, I do this thing to make Sarah laugh, <laughs> and it's really funny. Is I it think. the truffle shuffle? It's somewhat no, like that. No, but he that. actually kind of did the truffle shuffle the other day. <laughs> I can do the truffle shuffle now yeah. with my muffin top. But but I do this thing in the shower, right? So I I wake up before Sarah does usually. I get in the shower. You know, I'm scrubbing away. I'm all covered in soap, if you can imagine, right? And uh, and I'm, and I've, I at a very early age, uh, my best friend growing up, his name's Kevin, and Kevin and I perfected the armpit fart. Okay, <laughs> so and it really 
really works well in the shower because you know you got all that soap and oh, yeah. your armpits all wet you know moist i got yeah moist and i got a layer of fat now like under my armpit Stop it. and i got like a chicken wing you know what i'm talking about that little thing of skin uh, that hangs waddle. down yeah yeah like underneath Flying my squirrel yeah i can like uh i can like um move air with the fat that hangs up from underneath my arms and so uh. i i i cup my armpit and i'll I'll like, and these farts, they sound ridiculously like good. They're legit. They sound legit. Like somebody has had food poisoning. Well, somebody <laughs> ate sushi in a truck stop. That's how it sounds like. What is wrong with you? And I, and she freaks out. She laughs I in bed. I wake up to the sound yeah. of that. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, just imagine waking up to the sound of that in the shower. It's like your alarm and clock. He's Ripping laughing. flatulence. Yeah. That's it. And he's laughing and I'm laughing. I have some recorded on my phone. Do you? I think so. You're Let me sick. see. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to translate though. So you're in the shower at some point with your phone so recording they're, this. They're reverberating well, off of the shower walls. Oh man. Let's see here. I don't know if I've got... And we have this long shower with subway tile that goes up to the ceiling, so it's like very reverb Yeah, the, acoustic, the acoustics are tuned. Oh, they're fantastic. Let me see if this is it here. Oh, yeah, this is it. That's the shower running. The shower feels great. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, you better hope that our guests don't pop in at the wrong part of the podcast. <laughs> That's an intimate moment between Sarah and myself, <laughs> but I felt like it was important enough to share <laughs> in times like these <laughs> where we can, we can openly discuss yeah. and share armpit farts. Yeah. Less, less ROM, more calm. More calm. You, you heard it here. Yeah. I mean. More, more yeah. of a raunch calm. Raunch calm. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah. Somebody, did somebody you pick up there. what I did? The mic pick up what I said at first. Yeah, you said something about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I want to repeat. Yeah, it. don't. Yeah, I won't repeat it. But uh, but yeah, so those are my our interesting, funny moments <laughs> of Sarah and I together in the mornings because I I truly believe that if you can make your partner laugh, right? If you can make them laugh at least once a day then uh you're winning you're winning hard by the yeah. way you know, I, because, I agree with that sentiment yeah I, I really do like i it's it's so easy to get uh you know stressed out and angry and pissy and or or uh not depressed but you know like life can be somber sometimes and man just those little bright moments of laughter really just kind of help shed that just that garbage that kind yeah. of you know it's like the grime of life on you 
Yeah. And if you get that level, like if, for instance, like the first step of your day, like the first 10 minutes of your, of your mm-hmm. day, somebody's like helping you laugh. I, that's what, that's what I do. That's how I think about it. Anyway. it it's like a ray of sunshine peeking between the clouds. Sure. Yeah. It's a great way to start the day. Mm-hmm. Horrifying noises Horrifying. that may or may not be real. Yeah. <laughs> I like to do it like when uh, our kids are out in the living room and the doors open. <laughs> Izzy about lost her shit. She could not stop laughing when she heard that. It's it, great because, like, from two rooms away, it just sounds like somebody's having you know real issue, real problems. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Chipotle! Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't eat that Taco Bell. Yeah, when she laughs, you feel like you you won the day. Yeah, you, for sure. Izzy is our. She's also very funny. She is very funny. She's our 13-year-old daughter, and she's very funny. But she's one of those people that will not fake laugh at anything. She will look at you and like you're a moron if you say something <laughs> stupid and it's yeah. not funny. So you got, you got to earn it. You got to earn it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to work for it. For sure. She's got that deadpan face down. Nice. She will not break character. But the nice. armpit farts got her. Yeah, that was good. She was like like bad laughing crying it was funny so one day anyway, i will be as skilled as you but i still can't do it i'm surprised you can't it's, we, we can move thing. on we need to figure that out it's, it's all about supple fingers yeah and the cup yeah. the I, hand you have to cup the hand and keep the fingers together there's a there's, I think a, my, there's maybe arc. my hand is too big i don't know i don't know it's you gotta you gotta she trap has a bunch huge of hands air. i yeah. do i have big hands Tra- trap a bunch of air in there and then squeeze. I get the Simple concept. concept. I get it. The mechanics of it are it's, not. Difficult. It's like uh, what? What is that term that uh, the woodwind instrument players use? Embouchure. Embouchure. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that, but with your fingers. You know? It totally is. I don't have from right here from a woodwind player. Uh, I don't have the correct embouchure in uh, my hand to my armpit. Well, you know what they say: practice makes perfect. I try until I exhaust myself and I'm like, why am I doing, why am I just like whiffing these? Like I, I can just like get in it. the shower. And why am I practicing our parts? I do. I hear her trying. There's like, she doesn't even preface it with anything. I just hear like whiffs of air coming he from does. the shower. And I'm like, what are you trying to do? And, and I'm like, am I using enough soap? This. Like what? He's like more soap. More soap. More soap. More water. I <laughs> Uh, I never, I I can honestly say, this is not the first conversation I've had like this, but I can honestly say, I've never thought I'd have this conversation with you guys. Hey man, you're on our inner circle now. That's the way it goes. You you learn everything about us. I also have some sound of my dog eating breakfast, but that's for another (laughs) podcast. You are Uh, weird. uh, I record everything. So just just a a weird curiosity of mine. Is Mac anything like uh, Enzo? Because Enzo has to chew each individual kibble. Oh, no. No, it's like this is just get it down as quickly as possible. Chewing is optional. Oh, so he's like my boxer. Yeah, my boxer just she's like a vacuum cleaner. You just turn it on and watch the food disappear. We have to feed him in a muffin tin. (laughs) So he him. slows down. So he slows down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, be, it, because the last few mornings, since we're talking about the oh dog, God, let's yeah. go down this road. <laughs> okay. Let's go. So some of you may have seen some of the comments I've left on some photos on Instagram, but my dog was running up a flight of stairs. He got a case of the zoomies. Let's just go there first. He got a case of the zoom. You should tell the story. You're the one that was there. I, I, I just saw the aftermath. Yeah. 
The dog's excited. He's doing a couple victory laps. He goes tearing up the stairs, and I hear him yelp and kind of what sounds like him tumbling down the stairs. So I go running, thinking that I'm coming up on a dog with a broken leg, broken ribs, and he's just standing there kind of drooling funny, and I realize there's blood coming out of his mouth. And um, he did a face plant into a step and broke one of his lower fangs. He has perfect teeth. Poor And he broke one of his lower fangs off. Like it was just and when gone. when you say it broke off, it like legit broke off. You could make yeah. a crocodile Dundee hat out of this thing. Yeah, I, I saw the picture. That was probably pretty gnarly. It yeah. was, and I was I was over, this was at my parents' house down the street, and um, I was over there yesterday, and I actually found the tooth. It was like if you just imagine a candy corn broken in half <laughs> diagonally, it's like an alligator tooth. And yeah. I found it, and I was. Like, it's on my desk. Like, I don't have the heart to throw it We're away. We're going to make a necklace out I'm of it. I'm keeping it. Yeah. So, yeah, he busted his face, and he's been very mopey ever since. So, what's interesting about this particular tooth is that, uh, you know, my first reaction was, well, they have to do something about it because there's, you know, his root is exposed. So, you know, it's it's painful. Yeah. Um, and my first inclination was to just have them pull the tooth. Uh more that decision was mostly financial, you know, because I'm like, you know, they're going to want I I said this to Sarah. I'm like, they're going to want a root canal this tooth and uh, we shouldn't let them. You know, this is not that that would be really super expensive. And, you know, he doesn't need that fang. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> the unfortunate part about that is, is where that tooth is, is a real thin part of the dog's jaw. Mm-hmm. So when they go to pull it, there's a likelihood they could break his jaw mm-hmm. on the exodus. So a root canal he will get. Uh, and just, uh, just I don't know if you know, but uh, Trent, what do you think a root canal on a dog would cost? Uh, I'm, I'm just going by up here. Uh, I'll do it for 50 bucks, but this is <laughs> Naples prices. Um yeah, well, it would still be expensive. It's it's sad. It's actually less expensive to put your dog down than to have a lot of medical procedures done. Um, I'd say twelve, twelve to fifteen hundred. It's two thousand dollars to have uh, a dog. Yeah. And it's if I didn't love this dog, because he's a he's a large breed. Yeah, and it's the exact tooth that is the hardest thing to deal with. Yeah. So. It's just one of those things. He's 95 pounds of moron. Yeah. That's what it is. The the bigger they are, the goofier they tend to be. He knows I'm talking about And the harder they face plant. Yeah, he's in here with us right now, and he's (laughs) staring at me like, Dad, don't don't talk about me like that. I just got the zoomies. Yeah, he doesn't like that. Don't talk about me. I just got excited. They, they, They are. It's so funny because my boxer is just, she's kind of like your daughter. She's just real deadpan. Uh but she's got a real uh, joie de vie. Um, she's what does just, that mean? I, I don't speak French. Uh, j- joy of life. She's just ah. so happy to be alive. Uh, but she's very deadpan about a lot of things. And then uh, this Zo- is the boxer. Yeah. And then Zoe, oh, yeah. our little pit bull, she is the sweetest little lap dog. Uh, but she also is like just this little bundle of energy and she annoys the other dogs because she wants to wrestle and they're like i don't feel like it and she's like i'm gonna tackle you 
<laughs> and then there's Enzo, and he's just this big, sensitive, sweet soul. And is Enzo named after Enzo Ferrari? Yes, he is. Oh, he's right. he's actually named after the dog from The Art of Racing in the Rain. Uh, the Art of Racing in the Rain. I I don't know that story or the movie or whatever it was, but um, you, you gotta watch it, man. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Enzo. Yeah, we just watched um, Ford versus Ferrari. By the way, not what you think? We're talking about. Oh, it was excellent. We loved it. Great. Oh, it was excellent. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, you know, they. It's they, been a while since. Yeah, I've seen they an they took a little film. bit of liberty and changed oh, yeah. some things up, but you know. I think what I the takeaway from that is just I didn't realize the story behind Carol Shelby and his relationship with Ford. So like that that part of it was really super interesting. For, you know, I just love all the business stuff anyway. But well, I mean, you, this, you the should fact that, yeah, you should learn some more about that because he started out as a chicken farmer, uh, and then Shelby got, did yeah Shelby was yeah he was a chicken farmer and. Uh, you know, did the racing thing, and then in the eighties, uh, he got into making like uh, chili mixes and stuff. That was like his sideline, and uh, because there was actually quite a, a number of years, like he did pretty well in the sixties, and then there just was you know the malaise era and everything. Like the the automotive side just didn't actually, you know, the the cost versus the profit was pretty high so it was just constant churn and then he he started doing better in the 90s when they linked back up with uh dodge yeah i i vaguely remember you know i still see uh the cobras there's i think they're replicas i don't think they're actual cobras but i've seen a couple of real cobras we have a car museum here the the collier family which is yes yeah you know what you know what's interesting about that a, a little side tangent that I'm great at. Yeah. Uh, one of their family members is actually on the board of trustees for the museum that uh, my wife works at. Yeah, they have uh, big ties out there in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I, I don't fully understand did, how. Did but you I know, know that like... one of the Collier brothers, nephews, uncles? Yeah, they're brothers. Uh, now. Well, one of them started the Sports Car Club of America. Yeah, and that museum where all those cars are now is like like right across the street from my shop. So, and I just so happen to know one of the car restoration guys that worked in there. It's a private museum. You have to mm-hmm. know somebody to get in. And I got a private tour by one of the restoration guys, and I got to see all like the he's got a bunch of Ferraris in there and I mean, he's that- ridiculous race cars that he's restored back to their original uh racing glory like with the numbers and the logos and like everything um, you've you've got to you've got to get me in there because i'm a huge car uh i'm a gearhead more than anything you, else. you know the guy that worked there doesn't work there anymore and that was the reason the catalyst for me getting in there was he's like hey man i'm he you know where he moved he moved to montana nice is, yeah uh, and uh, he's like, Hey, you got to come now. Otherwise you won't have access. So I went through and, um, Dexter was super little, like he got to see it. And, uh, but, uh, he was real little. I don't think he'd remember it, but, um, super interesting stuff in there. Just another quick tangent. That family is, uh, pretty interesting. You should look up the history of them. Uh, yeah. they had something to do with saving the Everglades. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, one of them, I believe, uh, was one of the people who invented, like, the the dotted uh, lines for passing on the highway. Uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, they're uh, – they're, they're, uh, the family – the Collier family in – where I live, Naples, Collier County, is named after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the largest county in Florida. And uh, they own tons of farmland out here. And they're, they're like, I believe the majority of their money comes from farming now and real estate development. But uh, super interesting family. I think I they I also ton, have some uh, something to do with timber. I don't know if it's timber for lumber or timber for paper. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, we're off on a tangent on this thing. We and this is how the work for a podcast goes these days. We start talking about Enzo, who is <laughs> Trent's dog, which ultimately leads us to the movie Ford versus Ferrari, which ultimately leads us to the Collier there, family. There's actually a certain amount of linearity called, to that. There is. It's but it's also there's a tangent and every turn. Yeah. Every turn. I'm I'm very much, you know, like uh, that dog Doug in the movie Up squirrel uh, yeah yeah me too me too well i wanted to share a little bit of a story about adversity this week and and i and i've had some some you know business dealings that are bad or whatever but i had somebody email me and basically kind of um it was a series of events i can't talk a lot about the specifics but somebody basically emailed me and said that they were part of a blacksmithing group uh in oregon in uh, Portland, the Portland area, and that he wanted to build, they had approached him, like one person had bought the plans and had delivered the plans to him and that uh, he was going to fabricate a number of the grinders that I built, the Revolution. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to know if I had uh, copyrighted or patented it, and I told him yes. And and his response to me was... Okay, well, I'll change your design just enough so that I can do the job. And I and I wrote him back, and I was like, "Well, why wouldn't you just ask me permission, you know, to to do it?" Because he said he was going to build a hundred of these grinders, right? Nice little sideline like, there. Yeah, using I mean, your it, intellectual property. Yeah, and basically telling me he's going to steal it, and then yeah, and, I mean, who does that? Number one, like, why even bother telling me? And and then, um. And so I thought that was strange. So I, I started a, a dialogue with a guy, you know, and I said, you know, hey, uh, uh, tell me about your shop and, you know, show me what you got going on. And the next he started sending me photos of, you know, things and stuff. And he had actually already started building the grinders and was taking, you know, I sort of turned a negative into a positive a little bit, although I don't really know how I feel about it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where. I feel like the guy was just being like kind of a dick for no reason, mm-hmm. even though I was completely neutral on the subject. Like I didn't say no and I didn't yeah, say didn't, yes. I just you said didn't, like, you yeah, didn't set your lawyer on him with a cease and desist. You didn't. Yeah. Like I'm not that type of business person. So I don't believe in that anyway. But, um, you know, I said, you know, man, I get asked a lot about, you know, the, um, somebody f- could fabricate or cut the parts. And, um, you know, you seem like the type of guy that could maybe handle it, you know, so maybe we should talk about it. 
and uh and and that's kind of as far as it went but it, it the initial conversation felt very adverse like it felt very negative like he was he was just like well i'm gonna steal your property because i know i can do it you know kind of thing yeah and then, and then yeah. i kind of just yeah it's it, it like bothered me that that's that even had to go there but i was I, I don't really even fully know why but that's just how it was it's and things happen like that i mean maybe i misunderstood what he meant well um, yeah there's the whole re, re, reading an email or a text conversation like sometimes we can uh yeah yeah there's no like emotional yeah there's no back end i don't know yeah i don't know yeah i don't know him so maybe he was just saying but at the same time if this guy came up to you in public and was like hey dude i know that you sell these and i know that you designed it but someone bought a copy and i'm gonna just knock off a hundred and uh hope you're all right with that bro like that that conversation would never happen in real life i I don't think he would have said it to my face yeah that's for sure but i i also more power to him like if he can do it that's that's amazing i don't think he can do it i really don't either when brian called me he read me this message and he's like don't you think that's aggressive and and i'm like i don't know maybe he's just maybe he's just not that bright or maybe he just like wanted some help and you know maybe this isn't a conspiracy it was there were a lot of accusations flying around about what this guy is trying to accomplish by emailing him and i'm like I thought I it was know. one of my competitors. I was like, I think we're spending a little too much time coming up with scenarios, even though I love doing that. I love coming up with scenarios. But I was just like, look, I think you should just leave it alone and see what he comes back to you with. And sure enough, the guy wrote back and he was, you know, super casual about it and not defensive. And I'm like, if this guy thinks he's going to put a hundred of these together and sell them, like, you're not going to do it. Let him do Like, who even cares? Yeah, yeah, like, do yeah. we even care? Right. Yeah. That's a lot of work, and he's gonna need. He's probably gonna need to buy laser cut parts from you anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm well, not sure. He's gonna, he's gonna buy them from someone. Yeah, and I, it. I I felt like uh, like that was a situation where adversity in in that context, or what I felt like was adversity, sort of was placed at my doorstep, and I my reaction, like like you said, Trent. It, it it was it could have been like very negative, very reactionary, you mm-hmm. know, very off the cuff. But instead, you know, I kind of just turned it into, hey, let's see if we can work together, mm-hmm. and maybe we will. And and we're actually yeah, opening a dialogue about him drop shipping parts. So you know, that's that's something that's pretty cool. And and like the tube steel, because like he has a CNC tube cutter. Yeah. So Let, let's you know, here's here's hoping, fingers crossed, that he's not a dickhole. And uh, right, yeah, let's hope. That's it. That, yeah. It's not too bad of a week. Well, there was other stuff I can't really talk about. Yeah. It would be different if he were a large industrial tooling company. Yeah. It's it's just one of those situations, though, that I, I have to be careful myself because I, you know, if I'm not in the right headspace mentally when I deal with something like that, you know, it's it's one of like two reactions. It's like, what the actual fuck, or it's like, eh, whatever. You know, and that that reaction could be different depending on the time of day too. Mm-hmm. You know, like just any particular like timing is everything. I know, you know, my dad always says that, like, oh, it's just timing. You got to you know time it right, and uh, he, he's right about that because you know, uh, and Don Miguel Ruiz talks about that in the Four Agreements where he says. 
uh, you're, it, one of the four agreements is always do your best. Mm-hmm. But remember that your best at 9 a.m. is different than at 5 p.m. Because mm-hmm. at 9 o'clock in the morning, you're refreshed, you've had your coffee, you're ready to go for the day. Well, And, that's and like that the- same scenario at 5 o'clock would not feel as... Yeah, and that that concept Positive. there's a concept that like uh we have like a a willpower battery and the more decisions and shit you have to do through the day wears down that that reserve that you have for so decisions. Yeah, oh, so like so like you yes. you you want to you want to reserve really big decisions uh maybe not for a specific time of the day, but you just basically want to everything that's less important just has no priority compared to making those those hard decisions yeah i feel like on any given day i make way too many decisions and they're not decisions in the same realm right like decisions for my children and what they're going to do and then their decisions for some you know particular employee or business thing how i'm gonna write this email back to this yeah i'm gonna respond to this (laughs) dick hole and then i'm gonna (laughs) And then I'm going to have to, you know, make a knife or, you know, plasma cut some parts or something. So my decisions are all, there's not one solid theme to my decision making. Right on down to my dinner plans, you know, it's just like, I'm tired of making decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How That's, much money do we want to spend on the dog's face? It's a decision. But do it's you such get a your handsome dog? face. A it is a handsome fit. Hey, I'm I'm of the of the thought that whatever the dog needs, that's what we're doing. That's that's I don't us. really care how much it costs. Yeah, that, I don't really care because it's the same as having a kid, except it's better because they don't lip off to you and they always love you when you get home. And it's just always a happy greeting. Yeah, Brian, remember <laughs> that. Lock Sarah in a closet, lock <laughs> Mac in a closet. See which one is happy to see you when you let them out. We're all in a closet right now. <laughs> the dog would be wag- wagging his tail. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, <laughs> I I did actually reach out to some people who shared uh, some some of their stories about adversity and change. And uh, a, a buddy of mine, Dirk, who I've met through social media, he wrote. Um, he did three years in Afghanistan, and then he came to get accepted. Um, into a college to be a gunsmith mm-hmm. and uh, he had a problem with alcohol though and uh, he talks about how he went to work for a shop he got fired he was still drinking uh, he made a garage shop he didn't finish it you know he he spent thirty thousand dollars you know getting this thing together mm-hmm. but he was drinking and it and it just crushed his life um, you know he moved to Arizona and he wanted a new start um, he built another shop. He was drunk still. He was depressed. He was anxious. Uh, the, the, his wife at the time gave him a choice. He said, uh, I almost died of alcohol asphyxiation. He, uh, she said that he needed to get sober or she would leave. And then he got sober. Uh, and he's been sober for two years in June. So congratulations. Yeah, good Dirk. for you, buddy. That's man. That's amazing. And, um, and uh, he says he's making progress in the gun shop and he's happier and healthier today than he's ever been and that there was a solution. And, uh, I, you know, when I read that, I think, you know, alcoholism is a disease. So many people deal with it on a regular basis and, uh, you know, addiction and issues in general mm-hmm. and how we 
you know, in the last podcast, you know, we were getting trashed and, you know, talking on the podcast stuff. We had a blast doing it and stuff. And, you know, I, I would never want anyone to think that, you know, we, we would, uh, make light of that or yeah, anything. Yeah. You're not glamorizing it. We were just, n- yeah, we were, yeah, for sure. We, we were relieving stress and we were just having, you know, these, these cozy, intimate round tables where we can, you know, be a little, uh, a little less. I know you're not really corporate, but a little less corporate. Whereas when when we're, when we have a special guest on, not that you're not special, Sarah, <laughs> but, but when we have a special guest on, we're more we're more more focused on them and less about our interactions. Yeah, and I and I think that's the what I kind of dig about doing work for it, just us together. I still want to bring guests on because. Um, it gives us a chance to, to do, you know, meet people and talk to them and mm-hmm. learn all about them. Um, and, and I've got some awesome guests lined up actually. So, uh, uh, it, it's, it's like, it's a lot of work to arrange it. And a lot of people don't, uh, or, you know, I wouldn't even think like it's, it's a big deal to kind of get, get all three or four of us in the same space for two hours, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and different time zones and stuff. Uh, so, and like some of these people are in Australia, I've got a guy, uh, his name is Dan, and he is coming on the show. He's amazing. He's a tool maker, and he's in Australia, and he listens to us, uh, and he watches the YouTube channel, and he's inspired my designs, and some of the changes I've made in my designs are because of him. He's a he's a, a like a been fabricating for like twenty some years. Super interesting guy. I would never get a chance to talk to that guy ever. You know, maybe over the phone a couple times, but right. to have him on the show would just be great. Um, met him through Facebook, and so that's uh, that's somebody's coming up. We've got Nick on the next ver- uh, next edition from Pickle Cutters. He's a Canadian guy, just on the north side of uh, Maine there, and a super inspirational story. Same kind of deal as Dirk. You know, talking a lot about his life and change and all that, and. Um, it, it, to me, that energy is worth bringing into the studio to talk to these people um, so that it keeps things fresh. But you'll see from the podcast perspective that we'll still continue to do these one off shows like it's just me and Trent and Sarah from time to time and probably the dog dogs, I should say, <laughs> Enzo and all the other dogs will join in as well. But, uh, you know, so and, and, and one of the other things, too, is I, I reached out on Instagram. I know the Knife Talk podcast guys do this as well where they'll say like hey if you have a question for us you know find us on instagram and send us through uh, send us a dm through there uh if you ever want to know anything or want us to discuss anything please find us on instagram you can find trent at 307 driftwood you can find me at house underscore underscore work and uh, you can send us a dm and we'll answer your questions right here on the work for it podcast Anyhow, anywho, I had to throw that in. Also, we since we're talking about it, the Makery Network, which is the ne- network of podcasters that uh, I am a part of, it is uh, uh, Craig Lockwood and uh, I think Jeff Fader actually had a a hand in this. Um, they're they're kind of their brainchild. I know Craig is the one that's uh, you know the the technical side of things and all, and he's putting a lot of the logistical side of it together. Uh, the Makery Network is a group of people who are makers who are also creating audio content in the form of a podcast, and there are some amazing new shows. Uh, uh, Trent, do you remember Kenzie Aaron? Mm-hmm. Yes, 
he just started his own podcast. I, I a, saw that on Instagram just before we started the podcast. Do you remember what it's called? It's I think it's Ma- Young Makers or something. Let me look I it th- up. Yeah, it's something like that. Young Makers Podcast. Yeah, you can find him on Instagram at Young Makers Podcast. His name is Kenzie Aaron. He is a 14-year-old knife maker and bladesmith. Amazing but he's also very work. Amazing work, but he's also very inspirational, mm-hmm. you know? He's like when he, we had him on the podcast. He was uh, he's so articulate he's, and thoughtful. Yeah, he's like an old soul. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very very old soul. It's very cool stuff. So he started a podcast. Also, Devin and Dustin from the Art of Craftsmanship now Man. have their own podcast. Yeah, those guys are just trying to squash us. Have dude? Have, have you listened to their podcast? Did I, you listen? I started to the last listening one? and I had to. I, I don't know. I fell asleep or something. <laughs> not because so not because of them, but I was like. Yeah, I started it Shots late fired. at night, and I was like, "Yeah, got a little I, I, too comfortable." I find them very relaxing. Those mm-hmm. guys, their and and their stories and their podcasts are they're tip top and super well done. Those um, dulcet tones, massaging yeah. your earballs. Well, it's like it's like I you know there's some podcasts I listen to and it's almost forced. Mm-hmm. Like people are not themselves or something. Like I don't the really fake know energy, like this. You're listening to uh, everything about the internet, you know, blah, blah, blah. you know, it just seems kind of hokey. Yeah. 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 Every show on the Makery network, the the group of us who are getting together creating this network, they're some of the most genuine real people and it's like listening to them talk. Uh and and I'm sure maybe people feel the same way about our podcast, but it, it's I I didn't realize how much I needed it until I started finding and listening to uh, uh, all of our contemporaries right mm-hmm. here on the Makery Network because, um, and I said this in the past, I'll say it again. Every time I open up Spotify to podcasts, I feel like I there's a gazillion of them out there. And what Craig has done is he has sort of uh, blocked off uh, some of the, the the people that he feels create content in a way that it aligns itself with really good positive things in, in the maker world. And that's what the Makery Network is. Yeah. And it's growing. Every every day I hear about new people joining in and creating content for Craig and the Makery Network. So he, it's, he has it's really carved cool. out a very impressive little niche. I, I agree. It's such a great idea. And not only am I honored to be a part of it, I just simply love listening to the shows. Um, Jeff Fader has the full blast podcast and it's hilarious. He is just full blast is just like him to a T. It's great. And uh, he does a really great job. Mareko has a show The Chris Zepp and um, Darren from Alden and Paul, they all do the handmade podcast. And, and it's just these little differences these people who are doing things in the maker world but they're all slightly different and i love it because i'm in my shop by myself all day you know and when i'm not creating content or talking to a camera it makes my day go by so much faster and it also inspires me and i learn things so hey it's it's a great thing i i just wanted to give a shout out to all of our wonderful listeners i'm i'm totally you're starting to feel that love by the way you're getting now you're getting private messages and people messaging you and telling you about the. i just want to say i am i am flattered and uh very appreciative of the fact that somebody out there is willing to listen to me prattle on and that they can that they, they can get something positive out of it uh that's that was kind of my goal when i reached out to brian to 
join him on this because uh, I think we all need some positive, uh, not just feedback, but some positive experiences in our life. And sometimes uh, we're not in an area where we've got similar minds or, or similar uh, interests. And I, I just, I, I feel like I, I made the right move by asking to participate in this. I agree. And 100%. I, and I'm very grateful to you for the opportunity. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. Of course. No, you're, tre- you're a tremendous human being. But in order for me to really resonate with someone, I have to respect them. And I respect you a lot. I respect your opinion. And I, I love having these weekly conversations. I get so much out of them. And I want you to know that. I, I, I get a lot out of our interactions. And on top of that, I get to watch you sort of piss everyone off on an <laughs> Instagram now, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, you, you've kind of uh, uh, come out of your shell, yeah. as they say. Yeah. By the, by the way, Jeff. I'm quite cheeky out yes, there. Yes, Jeff Fetter, if you're, if you're listening, I apologize. I was only teasing when I called you a boomer. I don't think you're a boomer. I was, it was oh just God. having fun. So I'm, I, I halfway expected you like to get a private message from Jeff and be like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, why, why is he busting my ball so much? It was, it was uh, all in fun. All it was fun. all in fun. But yeah. I, I apologize if I ruffled any feathers. That wasn't the attention or intention. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Hey, you know, hey, man, it's. I think that goes back to the thing about social media and like when you're typing something, mm-hmm. people don't. This is, which is why I like emojis so much, right? Yeah, so, that's why I try to, you yeah, know, it's either like just, a laughing face or, you know, a grin yeah. or, you know, something like that. That way there's some sort of, like you context. said, nuance. Yeah. yeah, context. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you're so deadpan and, you know, nobody knows, it's it can be, it can get hairy, as they say. Speaking of which, I, f- I feel slighted isn't the right word, but I'm 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 a little hurt that Craig hasn't started following me. Just saying. Craig Lockwood? Yeah. I don't know if he follows uh, I know. a lot of people personally. Us. I know he follows people through the um, podcast, the Knife Talk podcast I know. Uh, us, ha- handle or whatever. Us peons over here in the, in the flyover states, we're just, I get it. Yeah, I don't take any of that stuff personally. I, like, I don't. I, it, I don't either. I'm it, just. I'm just. Playing. Yeah. No, I know you are. But like, some people do get really offended like if if they follow me and I don't follow them back right away or something. Yeah. They'll like unfollow me. It's just weird. I don't always have time to go through everything. So well, and that's that's what I'm starting to discover is that I really need to get a a better handle on this uh, social media. I try to I try to always respond to people. But I find myself checking it way too much, and I don't want to be one of those people. So I need to be better about like. I've been reserving like, time. Yeah, have I, you noticed? That's what I've I need like to do. Setting... I, yeah, I, I, I've been noticing you do that. You do that, and I need to do the same thing. Schedule because it. I get messages from probably four different platforms now, mm-hmm. and I'm almost wondering, and maybe Sarah knows something about this. That is there a plat or some sort of messaging system out there where i can direct everybody to it Almost. and they just have like what do they call that agglomeration well i just think of like a communication funnel or something yeah Your phone number my phone number yeah they could just text you what you what you need is almost like the reverse of a search tempest 
What? Yeah. What's a tempest? What so, like, uh, if you're if you're a guy who cruises Craigslist for like tools or cars or whatever, you can for other dudes. <laughs> uh, no, for like you know, I I look on I look on, <laughs> I look just on want Cra- like an other yeah. dude oh, aggregator. Yeah, yeah. I I look on Craigslist for like jeeps and four wheel drive vehicles and stuff like that. Um, but you can set up Search Tempest that and it allows you to like get notifications when somebody uses like the keywords you do. I see what you're saying. But if you had like a reverse one of those. Where if I got a message, it would dump it into the same bucket. Exactly. No matter where it came from. Exactly. If anybody out there in the internet land, in the intertubes, as they say, knows of anything like that, please let me know because um, I'm getting hit up, you know, and a lot of it is grinder questions and it's not always my grinder. It's like, you know, whatever grind. People ask me, questions on tracking all the time and motors and wiring and everything else and i try my best to get it back to everybody but boy is it tough speaking of guys cruising for guys on craigslist i hear there's an app for grinder yeah it's it's all right (laughs) (laughs) he uses it Uh, i love my grinder (laughs) grind on rise and grind that's it Meanwhile, you can send unsolicited dick pics to at 307 Driftwood on Instagram. Oh. Anytime. Yeah. He's open. Open for it. Prepare to be mocked. I mean, if it's it's truly (laughs) impressive, I'll give you kudos, but you show up with some buttonhead penises and... uh, Prepare for the uh, the onslaught. This is specific. This is very specific. There must be a story. Buttonhead. This is specifics. Yeah. There must be some story behind this. This is a whole other episode. Anyhow. All right. Let's <laughs> try to keep it clean. Speaking of keeping it clean, my buddy Scott, who uh, is the gent that I acquired a majority of my tools from, uh, when I was building my workshop, there's a, a, a he's, I consider him a, a close friend now because we talk a lot, but uh, he lives kind of like outside of town. Like he's up in Tampa area. Um, just far enough away where we couldn't like get together much, but uh, he started following me on YouTube. We back when I was doing the captaining thing and all, and then um, stuck with me, you know, through the workshop thing. And, and co- coincidentally, he was um, at the time he was doing uh, metal fabrication, like he was making um, parts for cars and mm-hmm. d- different things. I don't, spe- I don't know the specifics, but I do know that he wanted to get in, into knife making at one time. And, uh, you know, his circumstances changed. They had a baby. Um, you know, he had gone through a divorce. Uh, Life got in way. Yeah. Whole bunch of stuff. It, not in that order, by the way. It was divorce first, then got remarried, then had a baby. So it's, you know, baby with new wife. And, um, and she's amazing. I'm friends with her on Facebook. And, um, you know, he messaged me uh, privately about the adversity thing and the, you know, changed topic he's like feel free to share my story but you got to keep it clean because you know there was there's other things <laughs> in that story that i know about that you know we shouldn't talk about but um he he uh he is one of those guys that um inspires me all the time because i see what he does on social media he's always you know he's he's not a stay-at-home dad i know he takes care of his his daughter um and uh, a lot and he spends a lot of time with his daughter and so he's like the king of the side hustle for a while Mm -hmm. he was doing all these little things to make money 
wife goes to work and does her thing at a day job kind of thing. And his life is, um, was at one time chaotic. Now he's a real estate agent and he's selling houses. He's crushing it. And I love to see him take, you know, all of these different pieces of adversity that were coming out. And meanwhile, the guy does it with grace and style. Like he's super happy all the time when you talk to him. He, you know, but, you know, he could get slapped in the face with, a major situation and he's just like, Hey, you know, it happens, you know, this is kind of the way it's going to be. We're going to have to, you know, tackle this thing one day at a time. That's awesome. It is awesome. And, uh, and he shared with me a lot of different, um, concepts and there's a, um, Oh God, there was a Ted talk and Scott, you're going to kill me for this because I can't remember the name of this, but it was like a, a polyphile or something. There was a name for it. Um, Adam Savage calls himself this, um, and, um, Oh my God. A, uh, a polymath, not a polymath, but there's, um, a potential light, oh, I think was the name of it. And what it was is it's a person who knows a lot of things, knows a lot about a lot of things. They're not like a niche person. They don't know specifics of one subject only. Okay. But, um, it, there's a whole Ted talk on it. I'll find it and I'll link it down into the show notes. It is a multi-potentialite. Multi-potentialite. Thank you, Sarah. Found it. Okay. So a multi-potentialite. He uh, identifies himself as a multi-potentialite. And in fact, back even way back in the day uh, when I was creating YouTube videos like back in 08, 09 and stuff, he found me through that and and he said, we're a lot alike. You know, you're the same kind of way. You know a lot of things about a lot of things. And, um, and you're always curious. You always want to shift and look and find new things and learn new stuff. And, uh, I listened to the Ted talk and I was like, holy shit, that's me. Like it is totally me. And, um, I think she gave that talk at like Google or something, that lady, but, uh, uh, super interesting multi-potentialite. So, you know, it's not, there's so many people out there that know a lot about one subject, right? Mm -hmm. They're very specific. You know, they have this one niche. And, um, I cannot identify with that at all. Like I, I, I'm so curious. I want to know a little bit about a lot of things. There's a, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. There's a quote by one of my favorite sci-fi authors. His name is Robert Heinlein. He wrote Starship Troopers. Oh yeah. Which is mandatory reading at the, uh, the U S army college uh west point anyways the the point is one of his quotes in one of his books is that uh a human should be able to lead a a human should be able to follow orders uh or give orders follow orders they should be able to con a ship they should be able to change a diaper cook a meal yada 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 and it ends with specialization is for instinct or for insects humans need to be able to be generalists and I think okay. I think that that is so true, not only for uh, how our species got to the the level of sophistication that we're at, uh, as far as like culture and technology, but I think it's so important going forward as more and more jobs are going to be offloaded to AI and robotics. I, I understand that you know plumbers and electricians are probably pretty safe for a long time, but even even like day traders are starting to find out that their jobs are made redundant by AI software. And my point of that is not so much like technology is bad or whatever. It's that 
part of what makes us such a successful species is our ability to adapt. And it's really hard to adapt to adapt when we're so hyper specialized. We can't pivot. If if you're if you're too focused on something, you can't pivot and adjust and 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 correct your course. Yeah, we're going to see that a whole lot with all the businesses right now mm-hmm. with COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to pivot to, you know, it wasn't too tough for us, but we're pivoting to curbside service, remote support, and, um, you know, just helping people through the internet, basically. Also, the grinder project was, you know, it's ple- completely through the mail. You know, we're not, we're not doing direct interaction with people. Um, but the businesses like restaurants and, um, you know, these service-based businesses where, you know, it requires retail, uh, it's, it is, I, I, I just think every day, I'm wondering, okay, you know, when are we going to see these major shifts? It, it, you know, we've, they, we've seen that now like four months, we've seen a lot of businesses collapse, but we've also seen a lot of businesses rise up and get better, mm-hmm. which I find very encouraging. It, the economy is like a, a biosphere. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, an, it, it's it, just it really is shift from one way to another, but that shift, that change is tough. Well, it, and it, feeds it back, sucks. People don't like it. it. It feeds back into your adversity, though. Like the companies that survive this are either they have so much market share, they can kind of shrug off adversity. But it's the small, nimble players who embrace adversity that are really going to come out of this better off. I saw a good uh, Gary V piece, and he was saying um, he was talking about how so few people really fully understand what it means to build community through social media and why that community is so important to the growth of any business. And he was like, you know, if you can't be bothered to respond to a DM on Instagram, then you have no place in the marketplace of selling anything through social media because you, you you cannot bitch and moan and complain when you don't sell stuff because you never respond to people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the only way that you're going to be able to grow a community of people who will buy from you and support you and believe in you is to build those relationships. And how else are we doing that now? Can I, and can I give a quick testimonial media? to that? Absolutely. So I had a wonderful react, uh, I had a wonderful conversation today with a gentleman named Joe at uh, Tab and Slot, uh, uh, WeldTables.com. Okay. So I have been trying for the last six months to purchase a piece of equipment from them. They make those uh, Tab and Slot welding tables with the holes. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was, like like I was telling you earlier in, in our DMs, I was a little pissy because of uh, a situation I've I've got here locally with a, a state agency, not they're dropping the ball and stuff. So anyways, I, I was kind of snarky with him. Like, you know, I called in December, I called in February, I called in April and I just called yesterday. Are you guys even open for business? Whatever. And he handled it like, like uh, your, your friend that you were just referencing. It was water off a duck's back. He got me calmed down without saying, calm down. he, he we had a time to actually talk and have a conversation and he got me back to where you know i wasn't boiling and 
regardless of it, whether I go with their product or not, that level of customer service is just unheard of. But he was, he understood my frustration and he was trying to do his level best to make sure that I felt heard. And I appreciated that so much because it's so easy nowadays. It's like, well, I don't actually have that inner, that face-to-face conversation. So I can just kind of ignore you or uh, blow you off. And he chose, he chose the, the harder route of dealing with me. And he made me a big fan of that level of customer service from that company. You can convert a super negative experience with a customer by your positive reaction and how you handle it mm-hmm. in the most, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's some people that just don't want to be helped, but uh, I, we do that all the time. And, you know, if, if somebody approaches us and is super negative, uh, you know, kill them with kindness. That's I just feel the way like you take that as a challenge <laughs> I do. because you, you thrive on having the uncomfortable conversations. It, You're really good at the it. conversation already went to shit. So there's only one way it can go <laughs> back in the toilet or, you know, let's auger into upper, the ground at 120 miles an hour. Upper decker. <laughs> yeah. Sarah. So not, yes. not trying to take over, but we haven't heard much from you. And I, I enjoy your point of view. She's uh she's chilling. She's relaxing over there with the dog. I'm hanging. Yeah. I, I, I was, dog laying on my foot. You, you chill. You, uh, chilling out with the bottle of wine there no no i'm just sitting in the closet with my phone in my hand <laughs> speaking of <laughs> I'm, chilling i'm looking out. stuff up i try to be helpful again i was gonna say he wants to be heard you're a fantastic so. production assistant yeah you, you were on it when he, when he was yeah you were on it when he was asking about that i forget what it what he what it even was and you were like right the there with the answer potentially yeah. yeah yeah well you know what when uh when we met Brian told me he thought I was a multi-potentialite because, you know, I've had a lot of creative endeavors in my life and I've kind of shifted around and never wanted to do only one particular thing. I never had the, I, I told him this recently too, I've just never had that thing where I'm like, I want to do this with my life and I want to succeed. Uh, Brian has that. He has that drive where he's just like, I want to be this. And um, I don't want to be anything in particular. I'm happy figuring out what I like doing for now. And, um, and I'm really happy doing what I'm doing for now. But uh, I never had the adversity of being laid off. I had the hint of, hey, this newspaper thing isn't looking too hot for the future. And they're laying other people off. So maybe I should skedaddle while the getting's good. And uh, so I've always really liked change and really like doing different things and I I switch it up whenever I want and now I'm old enough to know what a good deal is and where I'm comfortable and so I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm content. What always amazes me about you is your ability to go to a job every day. <laughs> it actually amazes me like when anybody does it <laughs> yeah most most people do it <laughs> most people aren't like you most yeah. people you know trudge to the office yeah god it's like which I is can't like do 30 it. feet away from the bedroom now now <laughs> it is and i get it now like working from home makes sense to me uh, but like awesome. going to an office oh my god speaking speaking of which that's a little tangent i wanted to go off on uh i had an interesting dm with uh 
crafting the life I want. Oh, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just got a text from Sean, actually. Okay. And- so I, I, I don't want to divulge too much because, uh, you know, I didn't get permission from him. But basically, the conversation was about, you know, his channel and his his content on Instagram. That's that's his kind of diversion from work. And we we had an interesting little sidebar where I was touting, you know, the the positives and the negatives to self employment. But uh, you know, my my point remains that you're you're either the type who is a uh, uh, you know an entrepreneur or a, a self employed person, or you're not. And you know, trying trying to fit yourself in either category when you're not that thing is very uncomfortable. But if you are and you've just been going along with the flow because it's what you know or whatever, like, uh, well, that goes back to that, the conversation you were having on Instagram where you were asking about feedback, and I was talking to that gentleman, and he said, "Well, that's that's uh, a nice sentiment, but." You know, sometimes we've got other people depending on us and, you know, my, you read my comment and I was like, we've only got one life, you know, how much regret and pain can you tolerate? My answer to that is always, every time I'm on an airplane, the stewardess tells me I need to put my mask on first mm-hmm. before so I take help. care of any, yep. you gotta, it's right. You gotta help others and you can't help others if you are not cared for by yourself. So you know, my argument for that is, uh, don't be, don't be that way. Don't be that victim where you say, well, I wish I could do it, but you know, I got all these people, you know, depending on me. Like if you're miserable and you're sacrificing yourself yes. and your happiness, it, it, don't tr- fool yourself because yes. people really are, and, are, they, they pick up on it. And, and hopefully be, the people around you aren't selfish to the point where they'll just let you do it. Well, and to be and fair, continue to, let you to be it. fair, if he's listening, I just want him to know. I'm not singling him out and you're not singling him out. This is more no, just a generalized, yeah. I, I agree with thoughts. you 100%. Like, yeah. And that's the thing. If if you're the giver and they're the taker, like, like I, I guess it's great if you have that kind of uh, enabling uh, codependent relationship uh, between the enabler and the, the whatever. Uh, but, Sarah and the dog have that same relationship. <laughs> but but the problem is that's that you have to actually acknowledge that that's the relationship. If they don't care that you're miserable and you do, it's great that you're a giver, but that means that they're a taker and you they need to acknowledge that and you need to acknowledge that and you either need to be willing to live with that situation or you need to make some adjustments. That is the basis for, I would guess, a majority of the divorces mm-hmm. that occur. Is that there's one giver, there's one taker, mm-hmm. and that the, the the taker doesn't realize they're taking, and the giver doesn't realize that they've been chopped off at the knees slowly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for the last whatever years and stuff. So, and eventually they do realize it, and you know, somebody goes, "F this, I'm out of here. Yep. Like I'm not doing this." And anymore. that goes so, that goes right back into our last podcast where you talked about a partnership. That is oh, yeah. absolutely the difference between a relationship of convenience and an actual partnership. Yeah, you're right. And it, it's most people, unfortunately, are not self-aware enough to see that that's occurring, you know, that that's going on, um, including myself, by the way. I didn't know it. I mean, I just, 
I've, I'm a big self-help person. Like I listen to a lot of motivational things and to just keep me going. And, and, um, I'm always looking for that next thing to hear or listen. That's going to open my eyes and sort of, um, change my perspective on mm-hmm. what's, you know, my, my, I know I'm a moron. Like I look <laughs> at myself every day in the mirror and I go, what are you going to mess up today? You know, like, but for a while, like most of my youth, I looked at myself in the mirror and went, you handsome devil, you're perfect. You can do everything <laughs> right and nothing wrong and blah, blah, blah. Eventually you, you know, the, the shine comes off the apple, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and you're like, oh man, I am an idiot. Like I screwed up a lot of relationships. I did a lot of things wrong. But the beautiful part is I get the second half of my life to make those differences and change and, and hopefully lead through, uh, you know, forward, go forward and make a difference in the people who are around me now. And so, you know, and we all get that opportunity. I don't think the hardest part, though, is realizing it. I think the hardest part is knowing it and then having the uncomfortable conversation and doing something about it. I, I think... I think you're both right, Sarah, because oh wow, because well, it's it's that duality of man. Uh, that's a large part of like where mid midlife crisis comes from. Is we always think I've got tomorrow, I've got tomorrow, and pretty soon, ten years, twenty years passes you by, and you wake up, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling when you're like, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" And, and, and hopefully it's not too late. Yes. And so hopefully you can have that hard conversation with yourself and you can move forward. Otherwise, you get these these man babies who, you know, they, they, they're, they, they go get the Corvette and they try to date someone who's 20 years younger than them trying to recapture that lost youth rather than learning and, and ad- adapting that wisdom from the hard lesson. Not everybody's going to have the epiphany or or become a little bit more enlightened. No, but you know, that's, the that's, a, that's the goal. That's, that's the why goal. That's the goal. That's why we're here. Yes. I fully believe like people go, what's the meaning of life? It's like to be better, a, a better soul, better spirit on your way out than when you came in. There, there's a there's a lot of talk about like the Zodiac and all that stuff. And I'm not a full on believer in all that, but I do believe that we get opportunity and that there is a soul. We have a soul inside our bodies and, and it, and it's our spirit and, you know, who we are. And, uh, you know, we're a culmination of our experiences and I know all that stuff, but I've, I truly feel like there's other pieces of me that I don't, they're, they're not a culmination of my experiences. It's part of who I am. And it's, you know, that's what I call my soul. Mm-hmm. See, every single day I'm looking for ways to improve said soul mm-hmm. that, you know, lives in this meat pops. Oh, yeah. That I am. See, and that's that's what I was going to say. Uh, most people think of, uh, they think of themselves as this this body. Uh, to me, uh, the, the soul or whatever, it's in my brain. Like I, I literally think of myself as a brain running a meat suit. You know, I, I've got this mech suit made of bone and muscle. And like, to me, me is my brain. It's, it's not necessarily my body. Like I, it would suck. I have friends who have lost limbs in service. Uh, but to me, I, I don't want to lose a limb, but I would, I would feel less impacted by that. And I, and I'm not judging anybody's mental state. I'm just saying to me, my leg is not me. Yes. It's part of me, but it's just a conveyance. 
and and I do understand where the people who've who've had a traumatic experience like that I do understand they feel they feel like they've had something taken from them and they have but my my mindset is a little different it's like okay you know if I'm going to be a peg, you're leg, like more living outside of your body. Yeah. If, kind of if, thing. I, if I, if I, I, if I have saying. to supplement, you know, my, my nub with a pogo stick, that's, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not trying to like knock or tear anybody down, but what I, what I have noticed is my friends uh, and, and my brothers in arms who've suffered those injuries. The ones who do best are the ones who, accept what they've been dealt and and they are able to separate and they are able to say okay well now i've got now i've got this carbon fiber and titanium prosthetic and it just lets me run faster i i couldn't live with myself if i lost a hand like that would really bother me i think because i i just man you just need i feel like my hands are you just need to invent a better prosthetic bro Exactly. I think it would be devastating in the short term, and then you'd want to get to work and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, and you'd probably design something for yourself and make a YouTube. Remember, video. Yeah, it's, it, it's all about adversity and overcoming right. that adversity. That prosthetic would have a permanent middle finger up. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it would have to have like a little attachment, you know. Like yeah, a like a mixer and like yeah. a drill. And then you could have different tattoos, chainsaw, on and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I could like see a go go gadget arm. Yeah, yeah like yeah, you yeah. twist and click something in. Yeah. yeah. Like my, a like a die grinder. See? Yeah. But we have all of our limbs. But yeah. yeah. My worst adversity has only ever been myself. I'm so self critical and maybe it's because I'm a creative person, but I've never um, you know, had a problem getting jobs or moving forward in my career, but um, I used to have a thing like every couple of years I would get an attack of conscience and think, why am I trying to be a musician? Why am I doing this? Why am I a graphic designer? I am not contributing to society. I'm not helping anyone. I'm helping rich people get richer. And that's it. I'm going to be a forensic anthropologist and I'm going to solve crimes and I'm going to I'm going to do something that matters to anyone instead of, you know, filling other people's pockets with money because I came up with something that looked cool. It just feels stupid to me every couple of years. But, um, you know, I still enjoy it. I, I still love being a designer. I love being creative. I love being a visual person. Huh. And I'm, I don't necessarily feel like I'm contributing to any good thing um, unless we do a volunteer day at work. How, how are you dealing with that crisis of conscience? Cause I don't, I don't feel like you're alone in that feeling at all. Um, well, you know, I had, I had it pretty bad, um, maybe in my mid twenties and I went so far as to register and then like tell my parents, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be a forensic anthropologist. I'm going to be in the FBI. Like this is what, this is my new career track. And they were like, okay. They were very supportive, but I, I think they probably thought I was nuts. I'll have to ask them. I've never really asked them about it. But um, I was I was hell-bent on leaving art and music behind and moving forward um, with the fascination of, you know, the dissection of the human body and, and forensics at large. And then moving to Florida, there's a university down here that has a forensics program. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. And I totally did not do it. I looked into it. I got, you know, course 
information and um, is this why you like to pop the zits on my back so much (laughs) this is so awful oh i get these blackheads on my back trent they're disgusting first of all and she digs in he won't he won't let me do it he's let me do it like one time well you hurt me and that's well i'm very sensitive you're a baby primate primates do enjoy grooming she preens me Mm -hmm. i just don't understand what could hurt so bad uh, Digging nails, fingernails. Yeah, yeah. nails. Dig it, yeah, there are yeah. nerve endings <laughs> underneath skin, woman. <laughs> Look, like he—he's had like sparks hit him in the eyeball. Like you drop stuff on your feet before you got your little yes. steel-toed shoes. But also think about this: it's like uh, uh, touch points on your body that are familiar with touch. Like it's almost like a deadened sensation. Whereas parts of your body that don't get touched as often, they tend to be more sensitive. Correct. I think this is a lot of drama to defend Brian. Thank you, Trent. I appreciate you. <laughs> this is silly. <laughs> I, I just want you. You're... I just want you to know, Sarah. Uh, I I appreciate where you're coming from with the crisis of conscience, and uh, but I also want you to remember we we need beautiful stuff in the world. Whether it's a it's a little um, thumbnail you help Brian make, or a piece of music that you play, or whatever, we we need that beauty in the world. We really do. Uh, or a logo for Trent. Ooh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Trent needs a logo. Yeah, we need to talk about that. We can talk about it another time. Another time, yeah, of course. Another time. But yeah. But yeah, Attack of Conscience is, has been just like kind of every two years I get hit with that. I'm like, what are you doing? I think, Do I think, I think, matters. I think that's, so, that, that's your soul trying to push you. I I never really land the plane on it though. I never go. Well, you don't. You, know, you don't I'm necessarily have to go back to school for forensic anthropologist. Maybe you can figure out a way to use the skills you do have for a more for a project or a group or a passion that you have that could help move it forward a little bit further. You were doing that thing with domestic animal services. Remember I did. I did. I volunteered at uh, the humane society in Naples after my wonderful uh, cause of the company. Right. I mean, she loves dogs so much. I just do. I'm an animal person and we had a volunteer day at work and we had a choice between the humane society, the soup kitchen, um, a couple other um, human based uh, charities and I was like, send me to the Humane Society. That's what I want to do. So, um, and then of course I was trying to like get a dog. I'm like, Brian, look at this dog. I'm sending him photos. But um, yeah, I did some flyers and stuff for them. And um, you know, I, it's just like finding the time to do something nice for others is tough to come by when we're always scrambling for ourselves. I, I and it did make I me understand feel good, that. Though, but that's it. that's the thing. If if the value is there for you. You will carve the time out. I know. And I carved it out just a couple of times. And I feel like a terrible human being because I well, never no, really that's, embedded myself yeah, that's, in it. That's not what I'm, I'm not trying to like guilt you or anything. What I'm saying is that sometimes that's our, our brain or our soul or our heart or whatever you want to call it. That's it pushing us in a little bit more of a balanced measure of our life. You know, I, I truly believe that our bodies try to achieve homeostasis, uh, and a lot of times we subvert that, and that's why we, you know, some people end up being 600 pounds, and some people end up being bulimics. 
But you know, that's probably why I have the muffin top. <laughs> I would imagine you and me both, brother. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Do I want to be fat or thin? My body says, "How about we'll just make you fat around the middle?" No, your body says, "I buy Snickers in bulk from Sam's Club and dump the package into you. my bedside <laughs> drawer." How dare you <laughs> expose me like that? He has snack drawers All right, next I, to the bed. I love Snickers. All right, moving on. All right, so uh, the I read a quote from somebody who I'm connected with on Instagram. I don't think she listens to the podcast. She is a really cool. She she I think she makes only makes throwing knives, and this is how small of a world it is. So I connect with her on Instagram. We don't really talk or anything. I just follow her. She follows me. It's called her name of her Instagram is called the blade broad. Okay. Uh, all one word. And she lives in Arizona and uh, I've been following her probably for the last year or something. I'm at a dinner party at Sarah's parents house and they have some friends over and one of the gentlemen finds out, he's like, oh, I see you make knives, blah, 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 and you love all that stuff. He's like, you should know we have a family friend who makes throwing knives, and she's on Instagram. I'm like, is it the Blade Broad? And he's like, yeah. Like, And, and it, it turns out that they grew up on the same street, and um, their kids and her played together, so they were very close. So I messaged her, and I said, hey. Uh, you know, you know, the, uh, the Campanelli's and, you know, uh, they're, they're friends of ours. And I'm actually sitting at a dinner table right now with Mike and, and he's saying, you know, we should connect and do a collaboration. So she agreed. So at some point we are going to be doing a collab and I'm, I'm going to make her some throwing knives and she's going to do a whole thing about it. Sweet. But anyway, Sweet. on her in, yeah, it's really small world stuff. It's really cool. But, um, she had a quote on her Instagram and I really liked it and I can't pronounce the guy's name and you'll probably be able to recognize the name if I, if I butcher it enough, but the quote is the mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. And uh, the author of that quote is Fryodor Dostoevsky. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He's a Russian. Yeah. I, uh, I believe it's I, Fyodor. Fyodor. There we go. Dostoevsky. Oh, I didn't butcher the last name too bad. I'm impressed. Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Right? Yeah. Ooh, hello. Well then, uh, but I love that quote. So let me read it again one more time. The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. Well, I mean, it, it's true. Like, that's impactful. I mean, think about uh, it's it's not one of those things that people like to think about, but you think about people who've been through some terrible stuff, like the survivors of genocide, uh, whether it's the, um, I think they're the Uyghurs in uh, uh, China or, you know, the, the Jews in Europe or uh, apartheid. Yeah. A any of that stuff, like. Sometimes you know it's it's like that a uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption quote: "Hope can kill a man," but sometimes it's well, that's it's, it's not so hope much can kill a man. Yeah, it's yeah, not so much shit. that hope can keep you alive. It's that if you if you just take one more step, or you just do this, or you just do that, 
if you can if you can survive the next 10 seconds and you can do that long enough it'll get you through to the other side where you can actually start living again and that goes yeah. for a lot of things in life not just you know being being stuck in the uh the gulag or or in a ghetto or in a death camp that i mean you know you want to talk about first world problems when I used to do corporate meetings, sometimes it was just 30 seconds by 30 seconds by 30 seconds till I could get out of there and get back to doing the kinds of things that I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, I mean, you can you can take it from everything from traffic to literally surviving one of the most hellish experiences a human can experience. Well, I got to say that I, <clears throat> I about... Uh... I would say about 10 years ago, really started to think about those things. And maybe that was like sort of me arriving at midlife. Like I sort of skidded in slowly into midlife. But like I thought a lot about, and I still do think about my mortality a lot, like almost on a daily basis because I look at my ever aging face that's a, in that's the mirror. That's such a stoic thing. Yeah. And uh, I think. Well, today I'm one day older and I'm as young as I'll ever be. And what am I going to do with my time? And uh, I am in a unique position, a very blessed position where I get to pick, you know, I get to pick what I do with my time. I still wake up every morning, 5.30, 6 a.m. I find purpose and passion in all things that I do during my day. Not, you know, not all throughout the day. There's boring periods, but... I love what I do in my life. I mean, and I say it a lot in my videos and I tell people a lot. And I think sometimes it falls on deaf ears or maybe think people think that I'm saying it because I'm just like a weirdo or hippie or whatever. But uh, and I am those things. But I feel like the, the it, there's truth behind it, you know, in there every single day I wake up with purpose, you know, and I move forward a little bit. Even though some days I do not feel like I accomplish much of anything at all, uh, you know, I just plug away, even if it's something little and littler and even smaller or whatever. I never think to myself at the end of the day that I wasted my time or I wasted my day inch by inch, mile by mile. If I can get at it, if I can get that inch, I can I can drag it a mile mm -hmm. and I will. And I encourage everybody out there. To do the same if you can. And um, and so just so you're aware that uh, uh, the adversity and change uh, theme, uh, you know, Pete, I want uh, you to know how much I appreciate you. And uh, I appreciated the, those emails that we that are bouncing back and forth between us across the pond. And um, it's because of those emails that facilitated the mindset that I had today. And I just did a little more and I tried something different and I worked a little differently and, um, and, uh, it was because you reached out. So if uh, anybody else would like to reach out to me, you can Brian at housework.us. You can send me an email, talk to me about your adversity or change. Um, and maybe we'll talk about it right here on the podcast and, uh, guys, we're at an hour 30. I think we're going to shut it down and, uh, call this a show. That was quick. It does go by fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I hope you guys are all having a great week out there in the intertubes land. And uh, you're doing great things in your workshops and in your studios and at your day jobs. I hope you're uh, 
pushing through your adversity and you're embracing the change that we have going on right now uh, and know that we are resilient species and we will rise up and be great. And thank you so much for listening and interacting with us. It's wonderful. It is, isn't it? I absolutely love it. So Sarah's trying to message me something on on her phone. I've got a secret message. (laughs) Oh, the cheese story. The whole reason you're in here. We got to hear it now. Yeah. You wanted me to. (laughs) Don't get too excited. It's not that great. Oh, no. This is great. All right. So I'm in here because Brian was like, oh, you got to tell this story. So I just wanted to remind you before you did your whole spiel. I almost spiel. forgot. Yeah, I know. I would have really been upset. I know. I was like, oh, I should just shut up about it. All right. There's a story. Adversity, if you will. This is this is the most adversity I ever experienced in a day, <laughs> aside from the kids and the dog and Brian. Um, so our AC was out yesterday. Um, I'm lucky enough that my parents have a really nice home nearby and they're up in Pennsylvania right time, uh, right now, so it's empty. Uh, so I can go there to work. It's where my dog busted his face last week, so I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't go there as much. But anyway, I went there yesterday to stay cool. Uh, first thing I do is check out the fridge, and um, I'm super into omelets. And the best cheese for an omelet is deli American cheese, hands down. You can like shred the white American, the cheese. white American deli cheese sliced not that real thin. Craft stuff, not the craft singles, not the like orange not, stuff, not yeah, you know, not the fix, not the what whatever. You can just talk about cheddar and Gruyere and shredded for blend Mexican cheeses. <laughs> I full on agree with you. By the way, white sliced deli American cheese is the shit. Yeah, until you've had an omelet made by me, fluffy. With yeah. melty American cheese in it, you've not had the omelet that will change your opinion about cheese. So I tear open that fridge, I see that cheese, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make an awesome egg with this cheese. I'm taking it. So I'm packing it up um, after the three o'clock Florida thunderstorm was done so that I could go home and uh, load the car and not get drenched. And I'm like, oh, I got to grab that cheese. And I got, you know, like a duffel with the dog's toys and food and like my computer stuff. And like I have so much crap. Like mo- working at another location is me loading so much shit into the car. Like you can't even <laughs> comprehend what I'm about to do for the day. The dog has more going? toys than our kids do, by the way. <laughs> and like I'm taking his bed and like a gate and like just I'm taking stuff for like all the what ifs, right, of the day. So anyway. Classic mom move. Right, right, yeah. Once, once you have a child, you're just like, I'll just, I'll just friggin' take everything, just in case. So I'm loading the car, and I got, I gotta get the cheese. So I just throw it in my purse, and it's like they layer it. They don't stack it up anymore like they used to, where you're like peeling half of it off mm-hmm. and all the pieces rip in half. Mm-hmm. Right now, they do this super awesome thing where they kind of layer layer the pieces on top of each other like four across and then they do a little layer of cellophane and then they do four more and it's so accessible this is like Publix deli right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i'm overselling it but you know i really appreciate the way they slice their cheeses so so i have this kind of like flat bendy package of like a quarter pound of cheese throw it in my purse with you know, my keyboard and my notebook and like a bunch of other 
non-cheese related stuff. You see where this is going, right? right? (laughs) So fast forward to today, like, you know, I get home and then it's like unload and the dog and the stuff. And like, I'm still like in my work day. So I got to set my laptop back up and I got to finish this thing, right? So I forget all about my purse, which, you know, usually just has my keys and like a bunch of hair (laughs) stuff in it. Um, So fast forward to today, um, I'm looking for my work cell phone because I needed to test an email on it. And I'm digging through my purse and like my hand goes down (laughs) and I hear like like the crackly paper. And I'm like, what is this? No, the cheese. I was so upset that I never put the cheese in the fridge. But what do I do? I'm keeping this cheese. Like, there's no way it went bad in one day. I am not throwing out a quarter pound of the most perfect cheese. <laughs> this could also be a story about change, where this the cheese be- changed into something you should eat. Who moved eat. my cheese? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good book, by the mm-hmm. way. <laughs> Who moved my cheese? I'm telling you, this cheese went straight from my purse at about 6 p.m. today into the fridge and I am totally going to eat it. And Brian thought it was insane that I'm keeping this cheese. Yeah. I'm sure it's it fine. Wrong. It's still funny, yeah. though. I, he g- you gave me the business for keeping that cheese. And I'm just like, you can try cheese. and deter me. But there's uh, it's, cheese is my favorite food. I, it's not going anywhere. I hope you guys have separate bathrooms because I'm anticipating somebody's going to have some gastrointestinal distress. No. A per- no. We don't have separate purse cheese. No. Um- purse cheese is not good cheese, Sarah. Purse cheese. That's the title of this podcast. Yeah, but it's not like the finest French triple cream brie that was already open for two weeks. Eat it this at is your own peril. Publix deli. Eat it at cheese. your own peril. Like I could leave this cheese in the garage for a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's and probably it not even fine. cheese. It's like, like probably majority of it's plastic. It would be a little way. warm and a little bendy. <laughs> but it would taste the same and it would totally be fine and I would totally eat next it. Next time, the, the the ultimate lesson here is that the next time you forget cheese in your civilization starter kit, because that's what we always called my grandma's purse, because she had <laughs> everything in it. Yes. Yes. The, the lesson yeah. here is that sometimes you have to be willing to throw away the things you love so that you don't end up camped out on your toilet for the next 12 hours. <laughs> I think I'll handle it fine. I'm confident. Uh, my fingers are crossed for you, but thank you. You'll be the first phone call. The, 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 this Trent. won't end well. The, fo- yeah. the food safety for any of us. The food safety Not Nazi in me just cringes so hard at the thought of really. Yes. The first case of trichinosis reported in Stop. Naples, Florida, since 1948. Well, no, I'm, I'm Sarah Avi. Yeah, you can leave something out for three days, and I'll be like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I think it's I'm more worried about like salmonella. Well, I mean, it's not Ebola? a piece of raw fish that was in my purse for a day. That's it's true. just it's deli that, cheese. Yeah, that it's goes, that goes back to your truck stop uh, sushi. Yeah, never eat sushi at a truck stop. Don't ask me how I know. Right. <laughs> Publix cheese, yes. Publix sushi, no. They'll I, sound I like do me have. In the there shower. is a line. There is a line. With my armpit farts. Right. Either way, I wake up to the sound of that. <laughs> no matter what he's eating. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to end this episode of Work for It, episode Fantastic. number nine. Uh, just so you guys know, I truly appreciate you. Thank you so much, and to the listener, thank you. You you are the reason why we do this, and we enjoy it so much. And uh, for if you if you got something out of today's episode, make sure you go out to your favorite podcast platform 
and give us a rating. You know, we, we like those five star ratings. If you could do that for us, it would mean that our reach will continue out into the intertubes and more people will hopefully find us and listen to us. Thanks again, guys, for listening. My name is Brian House, and this has been Work For It. Bye, folks. Bye. See ya. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.